The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and got a special guest today, uh, Eno Saris from The Athletic joining me. Uh, we're going to basically kind of go through a bunch of uh, relevant rookie pitchers and kind of analyze their debut seasons and look ahead to 2024. Uh, but first, uh, you know, it, it's looking like we uh, might have our highest finish in, in Devil's Rejects since I joined you in our, our 20-team OBP league. I mean, one would be nice, but I'll take in the money in the top three, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, been... we're, cur- we're currently in third. Uh, Matt Eddy has tried to jinx us. He's he's close on our heels. Um, but I think it it's it's satisfying to me because uh, the two teams that are kind of running away with it, um, Luke with the, his team and then Jordan and Tom with their team, you know, like I, I think they're, you know, they're, they're – going to be impossible for us to beat based on the amount of time you and i have available to, to put into this league oh i know that's i mean <laughs> tom trudeau's uh league name and that is trade spam and it's uh it's just amazing how many trade offers you can get from somebody and he knows it and he wears it proudly but uh that one is is tough to replicate and uh yeah, Luke. Luke spends a lot of time on it too. Uh, we do our best, um, and and we not we shouldn't use any excuses. We also have had uh, uh, some rotten luck. We have some rotten karma, perhaps. There's a a certain pitcher who's been banished from the league that's on our on our roster, and it's uh, like I just haven't I haven't been able to figure out what to do with that spot. If we drop him and somebody else picks him up and and benefits from that, that seems terrible uh i've never figured out what we should do with that roster spot so we just have we're just kind of playing with like one less roster spot than everybody (laughs) just staring at that that spot trying to figure out what to do with it but uh yeah we've got this general thing going where uh i'm looking for uh you know like pop-up pitchers uh so you you leave me like three or four roster spots where i'm just cycling through that's netted us uh that's netted us uh much of our roster the, uh, on the pitching side this year, we we went in with uh, a few a few pitchers that were we were you know circled as uh, as being our studs. It was uh, Justin Verlander and Zach Gallen, and I don't really actually know who else we thought was going to be our pitchers, but right now uh, we're running with uh, Dean Kramer, Cole Reagans, Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Cutter Crawford. 
all guys that uh, I've picked up either because of the model or because of schedules or just because of opportunity. Um, and our general process has been to continually trade away pitching Justin Verlander for, for George Springer this year and, uh, uh, and prospects and try to make our lineup better every year and just figure out pitching every year. And uh, everyone knows that's coming. So it's, it's a little tough uh, sometimes to, to execute a strategy when everyone knows it's coming, but uh, it's been working for us. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got a little, little something out of Tyler Wells earlier in the year. Thanks to mm-hmm. you. Uh, I think honestly, we were rewarded for not selling low on Cody Bellinger or, or Ozzy Albies, but I think our MVP this year was probably Felix Bautista um, just because of the ratios, saves, strikeouts in a 20-team league. I just think he gives you uh, such a huge boost. So uh, fortunately, he was able to pitch most of the season. But uh, Yeah, he allowed us to uh, you know survive a little Miles Michaelis regression and – uh, you know, we threw, uh, Michael Lorenzen for some of the season and, uh, you know, having Bautista there soak up, you know, just add, like, if you add some zeros to the end of a Michael Lorenzen line, it gets a lot easier. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, uh, I'll be asked, we'll be talking about Cole Reagan's here in a second, but, um, I, I'm not going to include like every rookie eligible pitcher here. Um, but, uh, I thought I thought five guys that really kind of are interesting to me in terms of um, guys who just have that ceiling that we're, we're always chasing uh, with young pitchers. Uh, Uri Perez, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Bobby Miller, Gavin Williams, and then Cole Reagans were, were five guys I wanted to hit on up top. Um, Uri Perez, Grayson Rodriguez, and Bobby Miller of those five uh, Perez, Rodriguez, and Miller were the three that went in that uh, super early uh, seven-round draft I, I took part in. Um, and then Gavin Williams, Cole Reagans did not go in that. Uh, obviously, they were kind of – Reagans was just sort of breaking out. And um, I'm I'm not sure what the market's going to be on Gavin Williams at all, but um, let's kind of just start at the, the top here. Like Uri Perez, age 21 season next year. Uh, already getting taken in the the fourth round of a of a 15 team league uh just you know he's he's so much fun to watch uh just total phenom uh what do you what do you think about Perez I I typically don't go after guys this young when they're basically getting treated like borderline sp1s but is he good enough that you might be interested next year I mean, the one thing that I can say about all of the guys that you've put in this list, uh, other than Cole, so at least the the, the top four in, in Bobby Perez, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, and Gavin Williams, they all have you know uh, plus plus fastballs. Um, I have them all, uh, all four of those guys in the top ten by, uh, for stuff plus among fastballs, and you, you, it's just something that just pops off when the page when you look at them when you watch them pitch. We're talking 100 miles an hour uh, from a lot of those guys. Uh, so just good velo, good shapes. And I- I'm kind of uh, hewing to that as uh, something that I want out of a young pitcher that I'm going to believe in early on. 
just because I feel like it's easier to make a tweak to one of your secondaries, add a sweeper, add a cutter, change the shape of your, your curveball. It's easier to do those things than to change the nature of your fastball. I feel like, um, you know, yes, you could maybe do weighted balls if you hadn't done them before, get some velo. But normally, in terms of like shape, I think it's really hard to change fastball shape. That's like, that's your slot. That's how you throw. That's, uh, you know, the best you can do is, you know, add a cutter and throw that a bunch more than your fastball if your fastball's crappy, right? Um, but with these guys, they all have plus shape, plus velo. Uh, I will believe in them. And I think. All four of them uh, in Perez, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, and Gavin Williams, Bobby Miller, all four of those guys are guys that I will take on the upper end. Uh, the only other thing that I want to see other than like a great fastball from a young pitcher like that is innings. Um, you know, there's always a, a concern for innings. I think uh, Perez is going to get to what, 140 innings this year. Um, and I think that, you know, as long as we're not talking about our aces, our number one ace, how much do you expect from your, your pitches two through eight on a, on a staff? I think 150 is about, you know, where I land these days. You know, you don't, you don't really expect more than 150 from guys. So if he's shown the ability to get to 150, then I almost take innings off the table and then maybe less injury risk as a younger guy. I don't know. Do you, do you care about like, because Perez, Rodriguez, Miller, Williams, uh, you know, I, none of them have had Tommy John surgery yet. Um, they all have I, those. I like that. You, I think I so like you, that. You like that they they haven't gotten it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, the ideal situation would be like Verlander, where he gets on their forty. You know, uh, the the second Tommy John always has worse outcomes. So you know, look at Walker Bueller this year. You know, he had the Tommy John. He's uh, it's not like he had a pristine uh, injury uh, track record between the Tommy Johns. Then he had the second Tommy John. And though he was supposed to maybe come back and pitch this season, he's announced that he won't. So, you know, I think that is a sort of the average outcome for someone who's had Tommy John and is young. And it's not great. Yeah, I, I mean, I I always do have it in the back of my head that if you're in your early twenties and you Throw are sitting and... like 96, 97, it's like a matter of just <laughs> like time. months before it happens. <laughs> but um, I mean that, that might just, you know, like Shane Boz, uh, Jose Fernandez, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you kind of remember the ones where it happens more than you remember the ones where it doesn't happen. But um, you know, I think like Uri Perez, I'm just, I'm fascinated to see where the ADP settles on him. Uh, you really would be hard pressed to find something to kind of nitpick with um, in his profile. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, I think is kind of like a, a classic, like he's obviously going to have better ratios next year than he had this year. But I, but I also just don't think there's going to be any sort of a discount based on his, um, you know, ratios. That's annoying this year. too, because he struggled early and I was, I was hoping there'd be some sort of discount, but like what would a discount feel like to you for Grayson Rodriguez next year? Like he, he went in the the fifth round of that, that early draft I did. Um, so basically kind of, you know, treated like an, an SP two. Yeah. I would rather, I'd rather buy him as an SP three. Um, but you know, since he's, since he's come back, um, and stopped throwing that bad cutter, 
uh it's it's been pretty what to be what we expected i mean what do we have here we have a, a 259 second half era in 66 innings uh, you know we've got uh, a strikeout rate that jumped um actually the walk rate uh is is where the decline came from and then the homer rate went from two and a half to half a, a homer per per nine uh but it is interesting to see that the second half strikeout rate eight per nine um, so kind of, uh, a slightly different pitcher overall when he came back and, uh, not quite maybe the same source of strikeout, uh, strikeouts as we expected. Uh, so if that's the case, then maybe he's not, uh, the greatest number two. If you've got a guy who might have an eight K nine, and then also has in his back pocket, the risk of the first half, I don't know. Is that somebody that you want as an upper end SP two? I haven't yet put my projections together and put my rankings together, but that doesn't seem like much of a discount to me. No, it, it doesn't to me either. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, his name value, his sort of cachet, um, as just like a long time, number one overall pitching prospect. Um, I, I love Orioles pitchers generally. Um, just love the team context, love the home After park. The wall change, yeah, it was, it's been a really big difference. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I do expect Perez to go earlier than Grayson. Um, Bobby Miller is like, I think of these of Perez, Rodriguez, and Bobby Miller. I think I've just always sort of had more durability questions with Miller than the other two. Um, sort of seems hmm. like he's kind of been slower to build up since getting into pro ball. Uh, did 56 and a third in 2021 did 112 and a third in 2022. He's at about 120 right now. Um, and he throws the hardest of mm-hmm. all these guys. Um, but he went in the seventh round of that draft. He has the Dodgers obviously as a, as a great um team context for getting wins and stuff like that. So um, he would be third for me out of those, out of Perez, Rodriguez and Miller, just because I, I think he's maybe in my head, like the, the biggest injury risk of the three, but um, you know, you always do your, your pitcher rankings with that, that injury grade or whatever. Um, and it's always know. really hard to do with minor leaguers because, yeah. you know, minor league data, you know, you don't even know how they got to those innings or why that you don't have IL stints. We usually don't have any descriptors for why they were on the aisle or what, what, how they missed time. Um, so usually young guys uh, don't have too much of an injury risk associated with them unless we have a Tommy John on the record. Um, so I would, I would guess that all these guys will get uh, a green light. In terms of uh, injury risk, I can see your concerns with, uh, you know, Velo is a stressor on the arm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 111 last year, I guess that's, uh, I don't know. There's, we've seen, I, I live out here where Mason Miller is, right? Yeah. So I, <laughs> like 111 sounds like a lot. Mason Miller is going to you know, put together like 29 innings this year. Um, I think he'll end this season with uh, maybe 140, 150 because I think he's the game one or game two starter yeah. for the for the Dodgers. And 
So I, I think that no matter what we think now, there's going to be a big difference in his uh, draft day cost, depending on what happens in the postseason. Because it's going to be something that we're all watching. It's going to be, you know, sort of the, the recency bias. It's going to be the thing that we saw last. Um, but, uh, you know, my stuff plus numbers love him. They love Grayson, too. They love Yuri, too. Uh, but one thing I like about Bobby is he actually has, according to stuff plus, the widest arsenal. Like, all of his pitches are good. I don't know why that hasn't fully turned into strikeouts like it did at the lower levels. Um, that's a little weird for me. But I kind of think more strikeouts are coming. And so I'm going to put Bobby Miller second. Okay, nice. So Uri, Miller, Grayson. Yeah. Now, Gavin Williams, it it hasn't been just a straight stream of, of dominance from him, but on his best days, he's just looked fantastic. Um, he, you know, when he got drafted, he came into pro ball with a little bit of durability risk um, based on kind of, nagging stuff when he was at uh, ECU uh, but he's been pretty healthy in pro ball um, you know I, I think he's probably got the highest walk rate of these guys um, and again like consistency hasn't necessarily been a strength this year I just have no idea how he's going to get treated by the drafting public and like I, if he's kind of going sort of in that um you know, I don't know if he if he's going kind of where like Grayson and Hunter Brown were going coming into this year. I would absolutely love it, but do you think he's shown enough with the fastball specifically that people might be pushing him up a bit more than that? Yeah, that'll be that'll be a tough one. Um, you know, he what I just said about Bobby Miller having this wide arsenal of you know five pitches that are above average by stuff plus. It's not quite the same for Gavin Williams. He's the one here where the the breaking balls are sub 90 um and i think that might have something to do with the uh game to game inconsistency that we've seen he's always got the fastball to rely on but uh if he's uh you know trying to get um a bunch of righties out uh with his breaking balls maybe sometimes he he struggles with that um because uh, his changeup might be his best uh, secondary pitch. Um, I'd like him a lot. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I can't go back on the fact that if you've got a good fastball, in fact, in the next grouping, you know, some of the guys that I like the best that I might argue for uh, popping up are guys with, with great fastballs and some concerns. So um Gavin Williams is definitely fourth for me. I, I hear the inconsistency. I see the walks, and um, I would like maybe a step forward from him. In which case, that doesn't mean that means I probably can't buy him as an SP two because mm -hmm. SP twos I'm trying to fake an SP one. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't SP3s, recommend threes. I start taking uh, guys where I'm like, with a step forward, they can do this. You know, um, so that's he'll he'll I'll grab him with SP threes. There, you know, I might have Tanner Bybee pretty close to him. Um, and if the room is going to be uh, sort of over exuberant about one, then I'll take the other uh, mm -hmm. and let the room sort of guide me to it a little bit. 
they're very different in that tenor is a little bit more, um, I think, polished. And it's a little bit more about a secondaries than his fastball. Uh, but you have a little bit less of the um, the walk concerns, I think, mm-hmm. with Tanner. Um, and uh, he seems to have a little bit more of a, a feel for his whole arsenal. Um, and so uh, I like both Tanner and Gavin. I think I'd have them right next to each other. If Tan- Tanner on your rundown, you have Tanner as like the best of the rest. Is He's like sort of, I don't know if these are ranked, but he's kind of, at the top and that's how i see it it's it's so close that you know if somebody wants gavin williams badly then i'll go take tanner in the round you know yeah it, it sort of feels more like bybee is kind of the closer to like a finished product yeah. and williams has a higher ceiling is sort of how i view it um yeah because but... i think if you refine those breaking balls you know he starts with a better fastball so that's a better place to start uh Cole Reagans, I I didn't know what to do with him necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's got the best numbers of all these guys, including Perez. If we just isolate for his him working as a starter this year, he's got like a two fourteen FIP, one hundred three WHIP, and a twenty four point four K minus walk uh, just as a starter this year. Um, I went back and like was looking. Uh, he's had such an interesting journey through pro ball, but um, mm-hmm. like I, I forgot that he had the back to back Tommy John surgeries in 2018 and 2019. Like he, he tore the, the graft in his repaired elbow 13 months after the first surgery. So he had to have another one. Um, and then just a massive velocity spike <laughs> from, from last year to this year. Uh, he had an average 92 mile an hour fastball last year, average 97 mile an hour fastball this year. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Crazy, crazy jump. And we had reports from like March that he was sort of sitting 95, 96. Um, you know, obviously yeah, just he touched 99 in spring. We there was a story on the athletic about it. Yeah. So, what, like, what do you do with how do you weigh the recent dominance the, the crazy strikeouts that velocity from the left side like how, how do you what, what do you do with cole reagan's for next year yeah he's he's uh so interesting i did a like a half hour interview with him and also interviewed his trainer at, at tread um athletics where he went to to, to get that big uh, velo boost and not only that, uh, he basically uh, added a slider to his own arsenal uh, with the Royals that he came up with the idea on his own, basically, or with with tread analytics uh, together. And the slider has been a big deal because he was showing really big reverse platoon splits in Kansas City um, in the minors where he was throwing a cutter, a change and a fastball. Uh, and he you know, couldn't get lefties out uh, with that cutter. So what's going on right now is that uh, I'm just a little bit worried about that big of a velo boost with a guy that didn't even make it through his first Tommy John. And I don't even know if it was a revision. I think it was a full uh, Tommy John, a full recovery. And then like the day, like the start before he was supposed to be in the big leagues again, he tore it fully again. Um, So I, that just makes me super nervous. I think if we're talking about injury risks, I, I can't. I'm looking down at your list. Like I can't think of another guy that has as much injury risk as him. Um, yeah. And so it's like elite stuff. 
as it is now, it wouldn't be if he regressed at all, uh, an elite injury risk if there's that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and it's just because he, I think it'd be more sort of in the consciousness of just sort of how incredibly um, injured he'd been if he had just been like kind of a bigger name when those Tommy Johns were happening because he obviously has lists at the top of the list. We'd be talking about why is he hurt? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was just sort of, you know, he, he, he has pedigree. Um, I think he was a first round pick, but like he, you know, he wasn't, he'd kind of was wavering sort of in the Rangers system. And, um, so yeah, the back to back Tommy John surgeries, like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Like, and then um, you like the like the injury spike, the reload spike, right? It's like you're like, Ooh, okay, all right, how's that thing been doing? <laughs> I mean, if if the Rays trade for him, is everyone just going to be completely hands off? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, otherwise, I'm I'm excited. I mean, he. I also get into these things where I talk to a guy, and then I'm like, man, am I just like, did he just convince me? Like, you know. Uh, like I had a whole long conversation with Spencer Strider last year about whether or not two pitches could work. And afterwards I was like, yeah, he's right. They can work, you know? And <laughs> I'm not saying that it didn't work out that way. I'm just saying like, I can fall into love with a, with a guy right. based on it. So Cole was like, yeah, we did weighted balls and shorten up my arm path in the back and I'm more direct to the plate and I'm more compact and this and that. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he did weighted ball program the first time in his life. And you know, and he's, and he's cleaning up his mechanics. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally, but then I'm like, dude, dude, he had, this is, this has been a tough road and it wouldn't be surprising if, Next year, I mean, I think if the next year he threw 110 innings, he'd be happy. Uh, the Royals would be happy. He would have, you know, moved along in his progression. And fantasy owners would be like, man, I could have used like another 40 innings from him. Yeah. So do you just, do you just kind of like project him out for like 90 and just sort of see where that slots him to you? Like, I, like, I think he's going to be a divisive guy this offseason um, mm-hmm. because I think. You know, there's going to be one crowd that's just looking at like his last 50 innings and, you know, like, how is this guy not a top 20 pitcher, that type of thing. Uh, and then there's going to be other people that just won't touch him. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how he gets treated. Like he, maybe he's getting treated like a SP three, but I, I, I think people just chase upside so much that he, I could see him getting drafted like an SP two. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll probably hang a 100, 110 innings on there, uh, be a little bit optimistic, uh, but that might push me out of being in the most optimistic. Even the projections, there's something wild going on. I don't know if this is a mistake or something, but the bat has them projected from a 0.43 ERA the rest of the way. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and Zip says 4.44, so that's a widespread. Um, I think next year we'll be looking at a spread where some projections have them, you know, mid threes and some projections have them low fours. It'll still be a fairly wide projection because of a difference in projections, because some projections will weight uh, those previous minor league, that previous experience more. Uh, some projections will look at the role change. I mean, he'd been, he'd been uh, relieving and, and, and uh, at times this year. So um that's a that's a lot i think so i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna give him like 100 innings and uh slot him in uh with tanner bybee is someone um that i like that i have questions about and if i have that many questions about it it's hard for me to just slot him in the top tier so before we head to a break i I didn't include these guys just because i i don't 
like we'd we'd already seen Hunter Brown uh, pitch as a starter last year, and I don't really view Cody Senga as like a, a true rookie. But right. um, like, where would you slot Brown and and Senga just in this kind of discussion um, looking ahead to next year? Uh, I'll put them in the elite tier. I know that Hunter Brown has fallen off, and uh, he might have that question mark when it comes to um, his command, but. By location plus, he's he's average. I think there's uh, some adjust, adjustments he can make uh, after he sort of learns what the first season's like. He was in the process of uh, developing a sweeper uh, when I last talked to him. And, and so, you know, uh, he seems like someone who can add pitches. His arsenal is nothing like it was uh, two years ago in the minor leagues, Hunter Browns. Uh, and that, that actually gives me hope is here's someone with a pretty good fastball uh, a pretty good breaking ball and some proof of adjustments in the past, some uh, actual results that were pretty good. I know the second half has not been as good, but um, he's somebody I believe in. And so uh, I will have him in that top tier and I'll put Kodai Senga in there too, uh, as long as he's pitching in New York and has got the ghost fork, but you're right. It, it's they're not quite uh, the same as the rest of the guys we've been talking about. Okay, we're going to head to a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we'll get to the best of the rest with Eno Saris. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10. 
one being the most unfavorable for a good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable there. There's a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, back with Eno Saris here, um, sort of ranking slash grading a bunch of rookie pitchers. Uh, we we kind of touched on Tanner Bybee in the, the first segment there. Um, and you basically were saying, you know, Tanner Bybee versus Gavin Williams, the market might determine uh, who you end up with with more shares of next year. Uh, what like quick, you know, Logan Allen is is to me, you know, a, a tier two below those guys. I, I just I, I like, um, you know, if you can get like a, a Braxton Garrett um, for free, basically that type of thing. I like it. Um, I don't think Logan Allen's going to be treated quite like that this year. Um, do you see anything there beyond just you know lefty good changeup? Uh, you know, Logan Allen is, uh, is somebody that I would like, I think I'd like him like Braxton in that, uh, it's a wide, uh, it's a wide arsenal with command, uh, in a good park. Um, and that's, that's definitely, uh, I, I will almost have like a slot in the draft where I'm like, I'm now going to take a, a wide arsenal <laughs> <laughs> with command in it. And like, it's been guys like miles Michaelis in the past and it's yeah. been up and down. Merrill Kelly is a guy that comes to mind. Like um, I think that Logan Allen can fit right in there. Now you just don't want to risk too much. Cause if you heard those last veteran names, you've seen the ups and downs, right? Like Merrill Kelly's had bad years. Miles Michaelis had a bad year this year. It's not Braxton Garrett's had, his own ups and downs. So like, it's not somebody that I want to bet a lot on, but it is somebody that I want to have a couple shares of on the back end because some of those guys pop and have like sigh worthy seasons, you know, in the best seasons, I think it comes to this. We've done some research and looked at, you know, stuff versus command and that stuff is just more sticky year to year. And so year to year, uh, and especially if I'm talking, we're talking about lead or top end pitcher, picker, pitcher. I want someone who has stuff and command. You know, I, I want, like we were saying with the lead tier, I want someone who do, I don't have any questions about, you know? Uh, and when it comes to a guy like Logan Allen, I obviously have questions about the stuff. And so, you know, he fits more into that group that can pop at any moment. Uh, Tyler Anderson, he had a great year, you yep. know? So like, don't like, don't just say like, Oh, this guy has no stuff, but he has command. And so I'm never going to draft him. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, I love, especially in like draft and holds, you know, when you've had you, you've you've taken like six to eight starting pitchers um, and, and like two relievers, three relievers, like basically you're on the bench for pitching. I start hitting these guys hard and because I know they're going to have a role. They're going to have innings. And I know that at some point in the season, you know, Logan Allen's going to have three or four starts in a row at home. And I'm going to like best ball that will pick it up and put them in for me or in draft and hold. I'll be so happy that I have you know, Logan Allen at home for two when, you know, Tyler Glass now is hurt again. You know what I mean? It's like, so I, I love hitting these guys in that sort of SP six through nine territory territory where I'm just like filling up on uh, some guys with command and a lot of pitches 
that I don't have to pay a lot for him. So that's that's how I that's how I slot Logan Allen in my head. Tanner, I think, is a little bit beyond that because I think his his breaking ball is elite. So you've got an elite breaking ball, command, good park. He's he's more of a meat and potatoes. I know it didn't quite work out for Jameson Tyon this year, but I do take some meat and potatoes guys as SP5s and SP6s, guys where I'm like, I like the park. I like this about them. You know, the, I don't think they're going to become an ace overnight, but I think that they're going to give me innings. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's just kind of, um, you know, and that that like uh, like Tyler Wells was another guy like that this year. Um, mm-hmm. But like, just I want to get uh, I want to get these guys in that range, you know, where they are your sort of SP six, SP seven, um, mm-hmm. SP eight, and I. I don't think Allen's going to go in that range, but we'll see. Um, you think that's that's too high for him? I just think I think he's going to get. I think he's going to go like kind of in the like two twenties that type of yeah, thing. I think that makes me love him. Like I'll, I'll take him there for sure. You love him there? Okay. Oh, you know, just, no, you mean that's that's actually SP. That's SP. What, like what you think? It's higher. That's SP five, SP six territory. Yeah, I I just think every year you can find a guy in the more in the wells braxton Garrett. okay yeah yeah okay range. i'd rather take him like closer to 300 sure yeah but i think tanner tanner's the one who's going to have more helium and i'm not sure how many shares i'll end up with but yeah i think bybee will probably be going in the top 150 by march um yeah. so we'll see uh what what do you think about brian bayo uh with the red Sox? um strikeouts yeah. haven't always been there uh obviously don't like the home park yeah, that home park. The, you know the, the the Red Sox pitchers on the road have a similar ERA uh, to the Dodgers and Padres on the road. Uh, <laughs> that was a surprising thing for me. And the Red Sox now by Savant have the second hardest park in baseball. Um, yeah. I also this is kind of a weird segue, but like I also noticed that Red Sox righties pull the ball more than anybody in baseball at the plate. And Red Sox lefties push the ball more than anybody at the plate. And so I think there's this this real green monster effect where if that's so true of the Red Sox, I could see it also being true of even visiting teams. Just being like, oh, like your eyes get big. You're as a lefty, you're just like, look at that, all that space to hit a double off of, you know. And uh, so I think there's these weird secondary park effects. So. Um, the other thing is I'm biased against change up first guys, um, with Gavin Williams, at least I've got what I think is a plus fastball, uh, maybe an elite fastball with, with good shape. I'm not sure I would describe Brian Bayos as such. Um, and so, uh, there's, he just hits me in the wrong place with the park and the change up being number one, um, and uh, there's there's definitely more for me to to unpack here because this was a, a big stuff plus miss this year. Um, and so I don't want to just be like, oh, stuff plus didn't like him. I don't like him. There's obviously stuff doesn't always uh, measure change ups well. And he obviously mm-hmm. has a plus change up. It's the long wind of the way of saying I probably won't pay as much as other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd taken a Red Sox starting pitcher. Um high is is it's tough to do um how about uh so i i've just loved this this story of ryan pepio's um evolution this year uh because 
I mean, he had some of the worst control of any pitching prospect in the game. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a he's got a five and a half percent walk rate at AAA and a two and a half percent walk rate in the big leagues this year. It's so crazy. Just crazy. Um, and like if you had just told me that he was gonna cut his walk rate to those levels, like I would have ranked him as like a top 10 pitching prospect coming into the year. Yeah. Um, but you no way you could you could assume that's coming. No, of course not. Um so like how do you how do you evaluate a guy like this heading into next year? Uh where it just does kind of seem seems like it's kind of all coming together for him. Yeah. Uh and you know, I, I like to sometimes look at, at location plus uh, to just a sanity check on on a small sample walk rate. And uh he's got a one ten location plus. So uh, it's something also I noticed in AAA was that uh, his uh, his location plus was was over 100. When Hunter Brown was coming through uh, last year with uh, minus minus uh, you know sort of 30s uh, put on his command grade, uh, I looked at his AAA location plus and he had 100 or 101. And I said, wow, so average location would give this guy would make this guy a lot better than people thought he was. So um, I tend to think there's something real here I, the story that i've heard is that pepio was trying to learn a sweeper and that screwed everything up but i don't know if i believe that because he had terrible walk rates in low a in 2019 was he trying to learn a sweeper in 2019 in low in in rookie ball when he had an 18 percent walk like i don't i don't know like <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know if i believe the the full story on this but um and again it is a change up first guy uh, but he does not have the same park to contend with. Uh, and, um, you know, I think his uh, shape on the fastball is better than it is for for Bayo. So I'll have Pepio a little bit ahead of Bayo. I think the the uh, some of the things beyond what they actually just throw uh, favor Pepio. Um, I believe in uh, Dodgers pitching uh, development a little bit more than Red Sox pitching development. Um, I believe in, I think that park is easier. So I'm going to take Pepio over Bayo. Yeah. They, they finally found a guy they couldn't fix in Noah Syndergaard this year, but, um, generally yeah. it's just signed me up. Um, yeah, they've definitely done. And, you know, I think Bobby's a, a real success story for them. And I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going off the rundown, uh, here a little bit, but Emmett Sheehan, just because we're on the Dodgers, uh, the fastball shape is good. The slider is good. The changeup is not. Um, but could he learn like a gyro slider to go along with his more sweeping slider? Uh, I think he could do that. Could he learn or just a cutter, cutter, gyro slider, something like a harder slider? Could he do that for sure? Could he throw a curveball? Maybe like it's a pretty good foundation, I think, for Emmett Sheehan. And it's not exactly the results he wanted out of his debut. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is uh, somebody that I would like to take uh in a in a draft and hold it's somebody that i wouldn't mind picking up for free in a in a prospect league uh in, in a in a keeper league uh getting as a throw in in the off season um i think that sheehan's got uh better days in front of him yeah i, I really like sheehan um i might have been too high on him before the season i i still really like him long term um and I think you nailed it in terms of like formats. Cause like, it, you know, I'm, I'm a degenerate who does some drafts uh, in, you know, October, November. Um, so those draft and holds 
I want to, I want Emma Sheehan, um, pretty badly, uh, in that format. It's, it's tougher in the seven man bench format, just because we really yeah. have no idea how things are going to shake out. Um, you know, he I could, think, yeah, I think, I think one thing for those seven man bench formats, just to, since you brought them up, I, I think I would be listening pretty hardcore in spring for a new pitch. Uh, I just think that would be uh, important for him because he's been bad against lefties. The changeup has had, had bad results this year. And so just hearing something about a cutter or a gyro slider or a curve, something that he could use against lefties, I would be a lot more interested. Uh, what about um, another guy that I was too high on um, before the season uh, who kind of I can, I can almost guess what you're going to say based on just the fastball quality um, and the trouble that that gave him, uh, especially earlier in the year. But Brandon Fott, um, you know, he's been uh, he's been serviceable, I would say, uh, lately. Um, but he's going to have you know fairly ugly numbers on the season when it's all said and done. Um, do you see? room for growth here is is the fastball just not going to cut it for you yeah it's close um i mean it may not be as bad as you expect it's 98 stuff plus on the fastball um that's a bit of a soft 98 it's been up and down a little bit um he had moved on the rubber um when he went down to the minor leagues and uh and when he came back uh it's been a 418 era in the second half uh with that move on the rubber um, and so that's much more usable. It's taking advantage of some of his sideways movement. Uh, he's got a big sweeper. And so, uh, staying on the rubber has made that even more stark. Um, but in, he, he's, he's lacking a little verticality. He's kind of a sideways pitcher and sideways pitchers in today's game, um, aren't necessarily, uh, at the top of my list. However, I will say, you know, two good breaking balls, um, you know, a wide arsenal, uh, a long, uh, a long adjustment period, better numbers after making a big adjustment. There are some boxes that he's uh, clicking that uh, will have me uh, drafting him next year. I think, um, yeah, there's got to be something wrong with the bat. The bat has a grand thought for a zero four nine ERA the rest of the year. So, the bat is broken. Uh, Derek, if you're listening, you got to <laughs> go fix something there. Um, uh, the projections look like they're coalescing around the low fours, and that's usable. So the, the the deeper your format is, the more I want Brandon Fott because there'll be times when he's got the Rockies at home and, uh, you know, he's on the road in Pittsburgh, and there'll just be matchups where I will be into him. And there, there could be uh, another adjustment that could come that could just get him to that three eight territory where he's just m- much more usable. So, I'm not fully out. I'm not fully out. He's the he's like seems like an adjustment away, but uh, it was a disappointing season for him. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be in. Um, I just guarantee I'll be in at the price just because his <laughs> his gonna be cheap. Yeah, he's gonna be really cheap. And uh, unlike Sheehan, it's sort of you know, you can lock them into their rotation um, yeah, already. They don't, they don't have that many options. Yeah. The Dodgers will might buy some options. It's true. I have a feeling you're going to be bullish on Bryce Miller based on his stuff. Plus. Um, yeah. And just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's uh it's, it's a fastball heavy thing. 
and I and I like the fastball. He's actually probably uh, him and Taj Bradley, uh, mm-hmm. who's coming up on the rundown, are probably the two guys that'll push my theories the furthest in terms of testing my theories the most because they both have good fastballs, but they are struggling to figure out how to put the stuff around it. Um, and I just talked to Bryce Miller and he said he knows that he get he gets like 25% swings on his slider. Um, and it's because he's, he says it's because he's super vertical. Uh, I think it might be because you can see his release point on slider. So his fastball is, is a vertical fastball and he's got a little cutter. Those release points are pretty close. And then he's got this release point that's a little bit further along over here. Uh, that's the sweeper and that's a horizontal pitch. And he thinks that, you know, both of us could be right in that the release point is different. And then the, the hitters see a much more horizontal pitch, whereas everything else is vertical. So he uses the the slider now, the sweeper, as a take pitch, a freeze take pitch. He uses it like people use the curveball sometimes in zero zero counts. You know, like just a you're not going to swing, and I'm going to get this in the zone. Um, and so there's already uh, a sense that like Bryce Miller is figuring out what to do, but both him and Taj Bradley are extremely, really, really good fastballs, pretty good cutters, and work to be done. So the only way that I won't be in on them, both of them, and so we can just crash them off the list together. I think they're really similar. The only way I won't be in on them is if people are buying them as fully formed somehow. I want to take them in sleeper territory, you know, and I I will have those names circled and I will have those names circled ahead of Fott, maybe ahead of Pepio, definitely ahead of Bayo. Uh, How about like, how about versus Bybee? Yeah, that's where that's where I'm bringing them up. Tanner Bybee, you've got the guy with the feel for his pitches and the and the wider arsenal, and then you've got the Bradley and Miller with the the high the high you know stuff fastball. That'll be a really hard decision for me. In the past, I would have just taken Bradley and Miller uh, both over Bybee. I'm trying to be a kinder, gentler version of myself, not be too dependent on one stat. Uh, although you've heard about a lot about it in this in this broadcast. Um, I think I will go Bybee, Miller, Bradley at the top of this tier. Yeah, I I like the idea of um, getting Miller um, based on where I expect him to go. Um, I really have no idea where Tosh Bradley is going to go. Uh, you know, he's got that 5-3-6 ERA. Um, yeah, but- Bryce might be uh, – might be so expensive that I don't like, it's hard to tell, you know, cause he's, he's, he's got the three, eight, eight ERA. And um, like, it's a, it's a good team context. And uh, yeah, you know, he, he had, you know, for him to have had as much sort of consistent success as he had this year with sort of like this much room to grow fastball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's using the fastball so much. Um. Yeah, there's some things that make me nervous about it. Is that like, what if he doesn't develop a great secondary pitch? How many, how many great pitchers in the league right now are fastball cutter? Um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> that's that's a good question. Uh, I can't really think of so, anyone. So um, I. I would say is I would caution buying Bryce Miller as a finished product. Yes, you can put him ahead of Bybee if you like. The fastball is great. Uh, the results have been great. But I'm I'm pushing to put Bradley in there 
and consider him. Yes, you'll pay less for him, but like once Bybee and Bryce Miller go, like Bradley is going to be somebody that's going to be on my mind. So speaking of fastball cutter, um, Brian Wu has actually <laughs> thrown a greater percentage of fastballs this year than even Bryce Miller. Uh, 75% fastball usage by Brian Wu this year. And he's Mariners uh, have a type, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's had, he's had some pretty awesome starts this year, despite the kind of one pitch or one and a half pitches or however you want to cl- classify it. But um, where do you sort of see him falling here? I'm going to put him in that group. Uh, there's a little bit more of an injury concern or, or at least an innings concern with him. Uh, he had uh, a, a shockingly low 52 and a third innings in 2022. Yeah. He's always been just super, you know, durability, durability questions galore with him. Yeah. So I, I'm going to actually probably have him after Bradley just because I, I worry about that. But I did just talk to Brian Wu yesterday Um and uh, the one thing that I've noticed is he's throwing two sliders. Uh, shows up as slider cutter. It's uh, basically uh, a sweeper and a cutter. So the thing that he is is basically like a two-pitch pitcher to each side to some extent. Gotcha. You know, he's to lefties, he's four-seam cutter. Uh, and to, to righties, he's two-seam sweeper. Um, that can work, but I do think that you run into the – the thing that you're actually just a two pitch pitcher still. So is it going to be hard for him to go into the sixth inning, turn the lineup over a third time? Um, how much do I believe he'll add another pitch on top of that? Um, or will he just start throwing all four pitches to both handed handedness? There's some, some, some things. And then the durability concern on top of that. So I, I will have him after Bradley, uh, but he's somebody I'm still excited about. And, um, you can't argue sometimes like K minus BB is you could, you could do a sort by K minus BB for a lot of these guys. And you'd get a very similar sort because uh, his K minus BB is great. Bryce Miller's K minus BB is great. Taj Bradley's K minus BB is great. Uh, that's a good place to start. That's a really good, solid, stupid metric. Like it's in, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean like, it's very simple. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome metric. metric. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick detour from talking about rookies and just wanted to get your take on Michael King. Um, I think, I think last year I, on this episode, um, I asked you about Jeffrey Springs just because it was kind of, you know, he wasn't like a rookie in the normal sense of the word, but it was his first season as a starting pitcher. Uh, the Yankees have been going with Michael King essentially as a starter now for four turns in a row, and he's had excellent results, um, 26 Ks and two walks in 18 and two-thirds innings over his last four. Um, are you interested in kind of buying into this idea of Michael King, the starter, heading into a, a full season? Um do you have any kind of personal biases about guys making the conversion from reliever to starter at this point in their career? I I have a name that might give you some chills, but it's the name that I think of, Drew Rasmussen. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy in Michael King that already had injury risk. Mm-hmm. He's already had injury problems, you know? And you're then you're talking about a guy whose stuff was so good that he took the hit and stuff and was fine. 
and and could and could, yeah, and could could be a, a good starter. Very similar to Drew Rasmussen, even similar to Drew Rasmussen in terms of uh, some of the stuff aspects of in terms of what he throws Arsenal. Um, and so, I think it's I don't it doesn't quite have the Drew Rasmussen two Tommy Johns in college, you know, <laughs> uh, background, but. Um, you you mentioned Jeffrey Springs, but I'd, I'd forgotten we talked about him. But um, I'd have to say that injury risk is a big part of this quotient. Do you know how many TJs King has? Does he have? I I, I should have looked that up. Um, but I I guess I kind of assumed he'd had one. Um, but he uh, yeah he I mean didn't need it last year. Uh, he had season-ending elbow surgery but it wasn't tommy john it said tommy john's still a possibility <laughs> july 27 2002 oh so that's, that's not good <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're telling uh, us <laughs> and then there was a fractured elbow in there um so i guess the I, the main thing is just be careful tommy john once be careful with michael king i think um it's going to be so easy for people to talk themselves into it, though. Um, oh, I know. I know. Uh, and he, I, I had a lot of shares of Drew Rasmussen, so I just have to remind myself that, you know, take him, but take him where 80 to 100 innings is viable. Sure. You know, that might be all you get, even as, as excited as you are for you know him as a starter. So Chase Silseth is kind of, um, you know, we owned know. him a couple of times this year. We we we've cycled him. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, what you know he's he's shown some really impressive highs. Uh, has a has a twelve k game, a ten k game. Um, now he's just kind of you know concussion rehab. Might not see him again this year. Um, I don't know where you're at on even going after angels pitchers and redraft. Like I, mm. I just, I hate having them because of the six man thing, but now Otani will be gone. Does that mean they're just a normal team next year? I, I don't know. Um, but what, some, what, what do you think of Silsa? There's some like uh, some context issues with angels pitchers next year that are not immediately obvious. The park is worse than people think they've, um, that when they changed the walls there, they made it more of a hitter's park. Um, and then you've got the fact that they may not have many wins next year. And no wins is not something I chase, but like, I think the over under on wins for chase still the next year might be six. Yeah. You know? And so you got this guy who like, you know, might give up a few home runs. It looks like there's a possibility he has a home run problem. It's one of those things that is really hard to figure out in small samples, home run problems. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you look at his history and it's pretty much been there at every stop except for one. Um, and so, you okay, home runs, bad home park for home runs, no wins. Uh, I there are, there are places where I'll pick him, but I think it'll be mostly the deepest of situations. Like a $1 or $2 guy in AL labor. I can't know. I like would you would you pay more than that? Three, four? I don't know. I think he's more like a like a two dollar guy in labor. You're like, I'm gonna put a dollar on somebody else's dollar guy. I'm gonna steal 
chase for an extra dollar or, you know, in I think, a I think, he, go, I think he goes between labor. like one and one and three, maybe in labor. Right. So like maybe go to three, but like, and then like in our situation, 20 team keeper league. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to draft him next year. I don't think anybody's going to keep him. I I don't know. I think he might get kept there, but um, you never know. we we also keep like 500 players. So like, yeah. just for context here. <laughs> uh, I I like I, I've enjoyed rostering Reese Olsen at, at times in di- different leagues this year. Um, I know I've gotten use out of him. I you, some of the bad starts he's had, you just had to drop him. Like I I dropped him in ALA were just so that I didn't have to have this Dodgers start. Is it today or yesterday? That wasn't any good. Uh, I think it might be today. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you you just you have to kind of dodge the sort of obvious ones. Um, but I mean, he's been, he, he can miss bats. Um, what, do you, what do you think of Olsen? His bad command, I think. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I was so off him coming into the year just because the command had just been terrible. And then he seemed like he fixed it. But um, then he, it's, it's, it's not know. a great fastball either, you know? So it's, there's definitely flaws in it. But um, I, I might go to, you know, three to five for him next year in AL Labor. Uh, not to broadcast uh, all my picks, but um, in a in an AL only league, when you're looking at Reese Olsen, the context is pretty superb. Like I feel like the Tigers are going to be better next year. So if you're going to compare win totals between him and Chase, I'll take Reese's uh, win totals next year. The park uh, is a definite pitcher's park, uh, and the division is a pitcher's division. Yeah, it is. Um, so you know. He may only he may end the season with a four ten ERA and, and and not be and be somebody that on 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 like NFBC is somebody's like on and off rosters all year, uh, but uh, in something like a AL only situation, I'm in it. I, I think there's enough there where uh, he just needs a little bit more feel for his pitches and how to use them in context with each other and and then the and then the the context around is pretty good. I want to lump uh, Andrew Abbott and Jordan Wicks together. I I Ooh. have have some I have some biases probably against these guys just because I was uh, they they exceeded they massively exceeded my expectations initially in the big leagues. Um, where are you at on on Abbott and Wicks? I'm uh, I'm pretty fully out on Wicks. Um, yeah. I don't I don't believe it, um, and. Uh, People are willing to ascribe some sort of Cubs juju to like him and Javier Assad and other pitchers where I'm like, I, I, I you got to give me more innings than this to sort of believe in something that doesn't look real. Um, the I interviewed Andrew Abbott and I asked him, how does it work? Because it doesn't look that good. <laughs> it doesn't look that good. I've never been impressed by him. <laughs> and he didn't punch me in the face. In fact, he just laughed. He goes, I know, man. I know. Um, and if you look at the movement numbers, his fastball is like almost exactly average by movement and by velo. And he throws it middle, middle and gets takes. Um, I tried to ask Wilmer Flores, like, how does it work? And Wilmer Flores is like, you know, he's got pitches commands them well it's okay everything's slightly above average which might be true um but Wilmer Flores also went like two for three against him that day so 
I think he might have just been being nice. I don't know. Uh, I also wanted to point out that something that might be missing in, you know, when when guys come up and they're really good at first and then they're mediocre uh, to finish, um, the overall numbers look better than they should. Right. And and it's sometimes masking the fact that they weren't actually that good. So uh, Andrew Abbott in the second half, a 4-5-7 ERA in 61 innings pitch. And lest you think that's like some sort of BABIP situation or, or something, um, his K minus BB in the second half is exactly average. So uh, a lot of the luster has come off. And then you start thinking about, well, all these people that, you know, had these freeze takes on middle, middle fastballs from him the first time they saw him are going to be salivating to hit those the second time they see him, you know? So I kind of have a feeling the second time of the league is not going to be as kind to him. He's got a really tough home park. 53% fly ball rate. I asked him about that too. And he said, I've always given up fly balls and they just, they end up a warning track. And I'm like, that's not, I don't, I just don't believe that's a viable strategy for the future. So uh, I don't want to be fully out on Abbott because I, I could be, I could be wrong. And the K minus BB for Abbott in the minors was really, really good. So, I I'm trying to find some way that I can walk the line and maybe end up with a share of Abbott if it comes at the right price. But I just sort of doubt that I'm going to be the high man on him in any given room. Yeah. It's almost like an analysis of these rookies. Um, you almost should throw out like their first five starts or something like that. Um, just cause it, it seems like something... in either direction for sure. Yeah, Like, um, like that one Kyle Harrison start, um, <laughs> Or he was just like the talk of Twitter for a day. Um, yeah, it was an ace all of a sudden. And you're like, <laughs> well, he really does have poor command. And it's really just all fastball right now. So so I've gotten asked about Sawyer Gibson Long. Um, he was just a kind of, I don't know, swingman type of prospect to me uh, until he came up and, and he's been pretty good. Uh, I think it's worth noting that he – dominated basically a, a triple a angels lineup and then um was was decent against a bad white Sox lineup um anything to see there uh i'm surprised i, I can't say that uh he was on my radar or that i was you know, bigging him up on my prospect uh on my podcast i i wasn't he has uh, terrible home run numbers through the minors uh but i will say that uh i was surprised to see that stuff plus loves his fastball um wow. and uh and he's got a he's got a i think he's got a really good sinker uh whether or not he has everything else to put together with it uh is a question mark but all the things i said about reese olsen i i think i have to say are true about gibson long next year which is the context is really good and uh there's stuff to like about what he's doing and so i'm going to have shares Unless and, unless he finishes with a two seven ERA on the season and he's on everybody's sleeper list, in which case I'll probably just pick out the flaws and right. and go get the next guy. Um, anything on Connor Phillips? I mean, he well, was you a, can actually you can actually put these next two together. I know you have yeah, a, a yeah. question attached to that, but Connor Phillips, Joe Boyle, massive walk issues in the minors, big time stuff. Seventy uh, stuff, twenty command. Yeah. Is, I would just that's how I'd put it. And and that's that has its use cases. I think it, that Boyle's uh, use case is actually maybe a little bit better because 
you know, what can you do uh, in Oakland is, you know, walk guys and not give up the homers. And so you'll have like maybe a poor whip, uh, a really good strikeout rate and a decent ERA. And some of these rest of season projections are probably messed up by the fact that they're looking at the schedule hard. But something like Zips, where he's got a 3.79 ERA, a 1.40 whip, and 10 strikeouts per nine. I mean, there's got to be leagues that you, any the listener, uh, are in where you'd want that. Maybe reserve round of labor. Um, oh yeah. And then I, oh, I, so great. <laughs> like this, this, this A's depth chart is just, it's like one complicated pitching development story after another uh, <laughs> so i i don't know if you have do you have a favorite a's pitcher heading into 2024 for fans i really hope they don't like look across the bay and be like okay everyone's a three inning guy this year uh because they've started doing more openers and and stuff like that and and they could do that because mason miller is a two or three inning guy joe boyle you know maybe you get the best out of his command if you don't pitch him six or seven innings I think the only guys that you can really depend on for innings next year are Sears and Blackburn. Uh, and they're pretty boring. You could throw an opener on either of those guys too. So like really they could uh, do the, the, the San Francisco giants approach to the staff, in which case they would murder fantasy value for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, which is barely there to begin with. Would I pick any of these guys up next year? Mason Miller in, in, in any keeper league, just waiting for him to have a hundred inning season. Uh, we've rostered Luis Medina this year, uh, in a similar way to Joe Boyle, which is just, uh, you know, we've used him sparingly in certain matchups. Uh, you know, I think we used him when he was home, uh, for two starts in one week. Yep. Um, and this is a 20 teamer that we're talking about. So that's, that's the closest I'm getting to Medina and Boyle next year. Uh, Sears, uh, is an ale only play and so is Blackburn, but. Like I had Blackburn and Ale uh, labor as a reserve, so it, would I push Sears to draftable in NFC next year? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want any of them. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, we're talking about, and if you're talking about ten or twelve team leagues, just cross that team off. And uh, <laughs> I know you got to run, but uh, one bonus question for you: um, when you're going to the liquor store or the grocery store to pick out some beer. Um, are there any hops that you types of hops like Citra mosaic, that type of thing where you're gravitating towards the beer. And then are there any hops where you're like, Oh, not, not grabbing that one. Yeah. I, I kind of avoid mosaic because if I don't know if they put it, if you put mosaic in the boil and this is something that brewers will say, and it's true. It tastes like cat piss. It's like an actual, that's an actual descriptor that people use. Uh, so I, I, I avoid mosaic a little bit. It's in some good beers, but I need to know it's good before I get it. Uh, Citra is like the, I think the one that I would recommend to people as like, that's the fan friendliest out there. Yeah. Um, but one that, uh, that kind of catches my eye sometimes is galaxy. Okay. Uh, galaxy is a little bit galaxy and Nelson are these like, uh, New Zealand hops that can kind of give you a stone fruit, which is, it's kind of fun. It's like um, kind of a peachy aromas and stuff. And uh, I like those. I like that. Uh, I like getting some sort of notes of fruit uh, in my beer without actually without fruit. I don't want any fruit in it. 
right but like sort of fruity notes in the nose i like so galaxy and nelson are ones that i definitely uh gravitate towards awesome and uh, let's have some beers in a month or so well um i won't be there make it no you're not making it because it's too close to yeah i i don't think i've said this on the pod but uh my my wife courtney is expecting in uh two two and a half months maybe something like that so you're too close to the too close to the day yeah not gonna not gonna make it to first pitch this year but um i will be there in uh florida for for labor so all right uh, all right so we'll move the we'll move the beers to then and congrats thanks buddy uh anything you want to mention promote before i let you go well, speaking of kids, uh, I took uh, four questions from my 11-year-old uh, into the clubhouse <laughs> and uh, and asked uh, a bunch of players four questions that he came up with. And so that's coming out on Friday on The Athletic. And I think we have a pretty good deal right now. It's uh, I think it's a buck a month or two bucks a month. So uh, take, a, take a look out for that. It's a pretty funny story. Awesome. The great Eno Saris of The Athletic. I'm sure everyone's following him. But thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by. This was great. And uh, have a good rest of your week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.